Hi, this is Bill Mooney, and I'll be the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. It should be good. It should be real good. So listen. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to another edition of On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that brings you the latest on remakes, sequels, rumored movies, as well as info on TV and movie DVD releases, and of course, our interview segment. And this is episode 114. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this week, our guest is Bill Moomy, who played Will Robinson on the classic TV show Lost in Space, as well as being on Babylon 5 and his music that uh, many of you know, and uh, we've got a whole lot of stuff to talk to him about. That's going to be coming up in a few minutes. And uh, let's see, what else are we going to let you know about here? You may have noticed that our homepage, onscreenandbeyond.com, is finally changed, and we're slowly going to change all the other pages also and tweak the homepage to get everything the way we want. But uh, for now, we at least have made that portion of the change, and it's going to be an ongoing project, so uh, hopefully it'll make things a little bit easier for you to view, and we're going to start categorizing things because we've got so many shows. We're over 100 shows now. Like I said, this is 114, and, uh, you know, it's just one long list, so it's going to, you know, you've been scrolling down and trying to find things. So we're going to categorize them by season, and uh, we'll, we'll be making those changes as the time goes on. And uh, also we have a new feature. It's called the Feature past guest spotlight and it's right on our home page and this month it's taylor lautner who of course the next installment of twilight saga is coming out so we've uh, highlighted taylor as our guest uh, he was twice on our show and uh, he's our featured past guest this month and you can check that out by going to onscreenandbeyond.com and also on a sad note uh, i want to let you know that dorothy de borba who was a guest on On Screen and Beyond, was one of the little rascals, and she has passed away. And uh, we, our thoughts go out to her family, and um, we are going to uh, put her up also as a featured guest because uh, in honor of her. Uh, we will always enjoy her, her time on The Little Rascals, and uh, thankfully we can always keep looking back at those and seeing when she was doing some great stuff right there when she was a little kid. So, uh, like I said, she has passed, Dorothy DeBorba of the Little Rascals. And we are also in the process of making arrangements for more contests on Screen and Beyond, so be sure to check out onscreenandbeyond.com often for more chances to win DVDs and Blu-rays. And, uh, well, it's, uh, it's about that time, so let's check out Remake Madness right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Well, as far as Remake Madness, uh, they are working on a live-action Dilbert movie. That's right. Uh, they're knocking it around, seeing how things shake out, and we'll keep you updated, and you can keep your eyes open as the comic strip is made into a big-screen film. We'll keep you updated on that. And back in the news is Warner Brothers continuing to proceed with remaking the 1976 classic fi- uh, sci-fi film Logan's Run, 
And we'll keep you posted as they continue to try to connect and get a director on board for that one. There's a lot of rumors going around who's going to do that, so we'll keep you uh, updated on that as it comes around. And the TV show 24 may still continue as it uh, heads to the big screen, possibly. And they say they already have a script for it. That's about it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, rumored and upcoming movies right here on On Screen and Beyond. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, as far as upcoming and rumored movies in the rumor mill, it looks like uh, director John Carpenter will direct Hilary Swank in a vampire film called Fangland. And uh, it looks like Steve Carell is rumored to be starring in a film called Of All the Things. It's set for a 2013 release, and it's about a 70s and 80s hit songwriter whose career washes up, and years later he finds out that his music is extremely popular in the Philippines. And 20th Century Fox has a film reproduction that spoofs vampire movies. That's right. And it has an August 18th, 2010 release date on it. So they have to be working on that right now. They must be almost completed with that. Anyways, that's it for rumor that upcoming movies in the rumor mill. And coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. And as far as Sequel City, National Treasure 3 is set for a Christmas 2011 release. It stars, of course, Nicolas Cage. And Final Destination 5 may be coming your way. Word is that they are working on a script at this time. And a date has been set for the next Sherlock Holmes outing. The studio has given a December 2011 release date for that one. So stick around for that. And that's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take a look at what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond. As far as TV on DVD, the complete sixth season of Grey's Anatomy comes your way on DVD on September 14th in a six-disc set. And the complete first season of The Vampire Diaries hit stores on August 31st on DVD and Blu-ray. And on August 3rd, you can get the new version of The Outer Limits Season 5 as it hits stores. That's about it for TV on DVD. Coming up next, movies coming your way on DVD right here on On Screen and Beyond. Movies coming your way on DVD. It looks like The Last Song, starring Miley Cyrus, will come to DVD on August 17th. And on July 20th, look for The Runaway, starring Kristen Stewart and Dakota Fanning. And then again on August 10th, Death at a Funeral, starring Chris Rock, Tracy Morgan, Martin Lawrence. It all arrives on DVD on August 10th. 
That's about it for movies on DVD from On Screen and Beyond. Coming up next, he has been on Lost in Space as Will Robinson. He was in Babylon 5. He's been on uh, a couple of uh, Twilight Zones. He was in Bewitched. He was in a whole bunch of things. But, of course, we all remember him as Will Robinson on Lost in Space. Great show. And he's with us next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Bill's got a lot of stories to tell us. It's all right here, coming up next on On Screen and Beyond. Joining me today on On Screen and Beyond is an actor and musician who has had roles on such TV shows as Lost in Space, Babylon 5, just to name a few. He is also an accomplished musician. It's Bill Moomy. Bill, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Well, thanks. Nice to, nice to be here with you. Bill, there's so many things that we can cover. I, I just don't know where to start because, <laughs> I mean, we could start at the beginning, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> The beginning is a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's, let's at least jump to the flood. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Or maybe the pyramids are, you know, get a little closer. Right. <laughs> um, as far as music, were you into music back in your Lost in Space days, you know, back Absolutely. then? Absolutely. There's two or three episodes of Lost in Space where Will Robinson is strumming an acoustic guitar and mm-hmm. singing a song against some you know, foam rubber alien rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that happened way back then. I started playing when I was 10 and uh, started writing songs when I was 11. I, I think I've gotten a bit better, but who knows? Um, uh, yeah, I, that's always been my, my main passion, you know, from that age on. Mm-hmm. What piqued your interest to, to get into music? Oh, it's, well, you know, I, between the, the Beatles on Ed Sullivan oh, and, yeah. and traditional folk music, I was really into the Kingston Trio and Pete Seeger, mm-hmm. early Bob Dylan. Uh, I was a big folky when I was a, a little kid. And it was probably, it was definitely actually the, the music of the Kingston Trio that made me want to pick up a guitar. And, uh, you know, I came into that a little late, but nonetheless, they were still there to be discovered, oh, still yeah. performing at that time. And uh, it was it, that was the big big influence there. I wanted to write songs that told stories. It gave me a great appreciation of harmony. And, uh, you know, uh, folk music is a pretty simple music. It's not like learning jazz. It's a lot easier to jump on the train and pick along at a hootenanny <laughs> than it is to jam with, you know, Miles Davis or something at right. that point in time. Later on, you were part of Barnes & Barnes. Oh, uh, yeah, still am. I had in fact, a, it, we released our first album in 18 years a few months ago. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Barnes and Barnes, Fishheads, of yeah, course. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember listening to that song all the time, but, but I never realized that, that it was you. <laughs> yep, you know, it's one of the many moods of Moomy. <laughs> yeah. Now, what what made you uh, go with the name Barnes and Barnes? Barnes and Barnes, we actually goes back to a Bill Cosby routine on an album of his called uh, Revenge. Uh, both Robert Hamer and I, my partner in Barnes and Barnes, were. Cosby fans, and there's a, there's a character in this this um, skit of his called Revenge uh, a, about Junior Barnes, and the Cosby throughout this sketch, uh, you know, record whatever, was like going Junior Barnes, Junior Barnes, and when we were teenagers, we started calling each other Barnes, and 
Henceforth, that is the origin and the roots of the nom de plume, Barnes and Barnes. <laughs> and that song, Fish Heads, and of course you guys have done other songs too, but that one, I mean, everybody you know, knows it. Yeah, from Fish listening, Heads is our... Listening to Dr. Demento. Crown jewel in our showbiz tiara, <laughs> <laughs> but you know Homer Simpson has sung Fishhead, so that's that is pretty cool. And of course, Saturday Night Live was the uh, debut of the song and the and the video that we made with Bill Paxton. And yeah, it's Fishhead's been very very good to me. Yeah. After Fishheads, we went on to make uh, quite a few other videos, and uh, we're you know part of that early MTV crowd thing, which kept our quirky novelty rock stuff going but we have done 10 albums 10 albums produced you know the wild man fisher stuff and the crispin glover stuff and done lots of work with weird al and dr demento and and uh just late last year was uh, our first new studio album in 18 years yes i saw that Boppa chop right yes yeah yeah. A must. Yeah. <laughs> a must for everyone's collection. Now, is there... Old and friendly Barnes and Barnes. Is there a place where people can get that? Sure. Um, the same place they can get everything, I guess, you know, with CD Baby, iTunes, Amazon.com. Yeah. Can they get it at your website, or...? Uh, I'm sure if they go to my website, which is com, uh, you know, there's something there that will click them to wherever they need to get. Yeah, and I would think we will definitely put a link on our site so they can, you know, I'll find out where they can get it and get to your site and also yeah, get. It's, you know, it's yeah, it's pretty easy to get. Pretty easy to get through the internet and order it. I mean, I I can't say it's in every mom and pop record store, unfortunately. Right, yeah, they seem to be dinosaurs these days. Right. But it can be had in the physical form with a cool cover and a package, and or it can be downloaded instantly. Yeah. Now, fish heads. Uh, I just want to get back to that for just a second. Of um, course. The, <laughs> it, it, it's of course got a, a twist. <laughs> it's a little. It's a little twisted. <laughs> well, most of everything Barnes and Barnes does is a little twisted. Right. <laughs> we tend to have a quirky perspective on reality, and when you're, you know, when you're writing for characters, which in essence the whole mythos of Barnes and Barnes is these two characters. So it gives us the freedom to, you know, explore arenas lyrically and musically mm-hmm. they, you know we normally wouldn't go yeah so that's what's so freeing about barnes and barnes you know you're given this carte blanche to do whatever you you want regardless of how outside the box it is which from a artist's perspective is a very nice you know liberating place to work from right yeah now did people know it was you right from square one or no no we did uh we did, I think it was three albums, first for Rhino, before we went over to CBS. And then when we went to CBS Records, they decided, you know, it would be silly not to exploit the whatever Lost in Space, Connect mm-hmm. the Dots thing. And it didn't really make a difference. I'm, I'm kind of sorry we did, you know. But then again, I, I don't think anybody ever had in their mind the fact that, you know, uh, Belushi and Aykroyd were really the Blues Brothers, right? <laughs> right. So I don't think anybody who listens to, you know, Devo thinks Mark Mothersbaugh is really Boogie Boy. Um, so you know what I mean. I, in essence, it, it, we didn't need to tell people that that was Billy Moomy. But on the other hand, I, you know, they could have figured it out easily enough. It's no big deal. Yeah, yeah. It's just being a character. It's Barnes and Barnes is just being more of. In, in essence, it, it incorporates more acting in a way than you know my solo music does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we had um, Don Grady on the show, mm-hmm. and Don said he went through the same basic thing where they he was in the. 
can't remember, Yellow Balloon, I think it was? Uh, yeah. The group he was in? And yeah. they hid his, his uh, you know, that it was him uh, from people at first, and then it just came out and sort of... <laughs> yeah, Don's great. He's a really talented guy. In fact, I went to go see him live with his kind of Steely Dan-type jazzy thing that he's doing right now. It was very good. Yeah. He's a good friend, nice guy. Yeah. As far as your, your newer music that you, you've been putting out lately, um, yourself, you've been putting some albums out also, right? I have 10 solo albums from 1997 till now. Uh, I don't personally put them out. I mean, I'm, I'm, now I'm on, I'm on GRA Records well, out of yes. San Francisco. But, yeah. but yes, I, that's, my, that's what I do, you know. <laughs> that, that's my purpose in life. <laughs> I mean, it's nice to do other things. Right, but that's what I'm I'm here to to do for better or worse. And, and just finishing up a, a new album right now called Glorious in Defeat, and that will be coming out this summer. Oh, really? um, been working on that for about eight months. Very happy with it, but you know. <laughs> now, do you? I wouldn't put it out if I wasn't. Right. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, what do you consider your your style, or don't you like to do I, that? I, I hate, you know, it's such a, it's a limiting thing to do. I mean, True. I write real, it's it's guitar driven, uh, rootsy esque blues folk rock with a twist alternative. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't like to. I don't know. You know, in the old days. Not to sound again like an old man, but let's face it: if, if you, anybody here listening can relate to what music was like in the '60s and into the '70s, you'd turn on a on a rock and roll station, and you might hear Aretha Franklin, and then you might hear the Beatles, and you might hear the Stones, and you might hear Dionne Warwick, and then you might hear, you know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't so locked and rigid and categorized, and, and henceforth, it was just all popular music, and, and right. I, I just don't like to put a, a singular you know, pair of clothes on a, on what turns out to change song to song to song. I yeah. try to make cohesive sounding records, of right. course. I mean, thematically, this particular new album is more of a a bluesier, uh, somewhat simplistic, but yet sonically kind of dense um, single vocal record. Whereas a lot of other records I've put out have had a lot of harmony and worked with you know Jerry and Dewey from America on them and stuff. But mm. this is. This is a solo record in the strictest sense of the word. I played and, and did everything. So yeah, yeah. It's funny how you mentioned that about the uh, the way things have changed from like the seventies. Uh, you know, I think corporate radio has changed things. You know, it, it's either oh, it's horrible. A country station or a rock it's station. Or... It, whether you know, I don't, I don't. I, there's no point in me disparaging giant corporations. <laughs> they do that well enough for themselves, but you know, it's sad. Yeah. It's sad to see the cloning of the planet. I mean, it, you know, you walk into a, 
a shopping center or a mall or whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter what city or state you're in, and it doesn't, to a large degree, matter what country you're in anymore. Right, it's true. So there's the Banana Republic, or there's the Gap, or there's the... Now, I've got nothing against Banana Republic or Gap. I buy clothes there, you know. Right. I've got nothing against it. But it just, that huge global cloning takes away the character and the cultures and, and uh, you know. Yeah. I can remember back in the 70s on being on radio and we'd have, uh, you know, we'd, like you say, we'd play uh, a country song, a crossover, and a, and a rock song, and then a, sure. then a pop song. And, you know, that was just the way it was. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It wouldn't have been odd at all to have segued from the birds to Sly and the Family Stone to, you know, uh, the Jefferson Airplane. Yep, yeah. Three incredibly different, I'm right there, or Otis Redding, you know, mm -hmm. boom, there's your set that you just played, and they're all completely different, but yeah. they all were contemporary and peers of each other. So, uh, boy, that uh, can't wait to hear your album. And, 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 you know, it's funny because around Christmas time, I was uh, checking your site, and you had a song up there um, that was a riot, and off the top of my head, I can't... Oh, I've got some presents for Santa. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that goes back quite a few years now. I did that with uh, Sarah Taylor singing that song. Yeah, it's kind of... It's, it was a jazz novelty Christmas song that I initially did really quickly uh, as a little holiday thing for the, at the time, globally syndicated Dr. Demento radio show. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, Rhino Records pressed it up right away. And it's been a bit of a little holiday perennial gotten quite a lot of airplay and yeah it's very you know, funny yeah i'd like to that, that was fun in fact that was a one of the first real true jazzy things i worked on yeah yeah it was, it was a very funny song and uh, um, actually dr demento we had a, a last year on the show and uh, he was uh, he, he was he talked about your know, fish head songs uh-huh <laughs> yeah he's a great guy oh I like, yeah like barry a lot yeah now as far as your acting uh what made you go into acting well, we are going back. Yeah, we're, we're, we're um, way back now. <laughs> when I was like four years old, I broke my leg playing Zorro. And so I was in a cast for several, I don't know, what, what six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. And uh, so I couldn't go out and goof around. Remember, this was a, a different era anyway. Mm -hmm. But I watched a lot of TV. And uh, unfortunately or fortunately, you know, you didn't have satellite, you know, dishes and millions of channels or right. DVRs or anything to record this stuff with. You just watched what was on TV. <laughs> so I got very excited, you know, waiting daily to see uh, George Reeves as Superman on The Adventures of Superman and, oh, yeah. and Guy Williams, who, of course, I ended up working with on Lost in Space as Zorro. Mm -hmm. uh, so those two adventure, those two guys in capes <laughs> um, were really my big inspiration to get inside the television. I wanted to get inside the TV and be like, you know, Zorro or, right. or Superman. Yeah. So uh, that was my inspiration. I was very young. I had red hair. I lived in West Los Angeles, and uh, my mother's family had been in show business for 25 years at that point and wasn't afraid of it or impressed by it or intimidated by it. And, and you can't escape your destiny. I wanted to do it. I wasn't pushed into it. And um, I started working right away and kept going. And was a was a good thing. It was yeah. a real good thing. Yeah. Now, was it, a, it must have been a thrill for you, though, when you had a chance to actually work with Guy Williams, who was Zorro. 
Yeah, it was, I, well, Guy and I worked together eventually for you know many years. So it was at the very beginning. It was yeah, it was great. It was great to work with him because he was a, he was the guy. Right. That yeah. I broke my leg trying to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was cool. Was it? Is it true? You know, you see a lot of things on the internet, and one thing I saw was that you were the original choice for Eddie Munster. Is that true? Oh yeah, I guess. But you know, that's Butch Patrick's thing. He did a great job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, my recollection, for now you're talking about what, do I remember a, a business decision that my agents and my parents and, right, yeah. and I <laughs> kind of said, yeah, let's not do that in 1964 or something, you know, right. I can't flash on that moment like it's a clear vision, but I, I think it was a decision made because of the fact that at that point in time, I was working really, really prolifically with great directors, going from one feature film to another, and then episodics where one week I might be working with Lucille Ball, the next week I might be working on, like, with Franchon Tone or something on The Virginian. And it was a very eclectic and cool. I was on a good run there, and the part in the Munsters pilot for the character, you know, it was obviously not going to carry the show necessarily and there was that makeup and you know it was like well do you want to have to sit in makeup and look like a werewolf <laughs> and I think that the, the decision was you know no yeah. <laughs> of course then whatever 30 years later I did Babylon 5 for 5 years in alien makeup uh, yeah, that was like... a lot harder than Eddie Munster's little werewolf hairdo I was going to say on Babylon 5 how long did you have to sit in the chair for that it varied from season to season uh, the first season, it took about four hours. The, the lab, by the by, the end of the second season, through pretty much the end of the fifth season, uh, wardrobe and makeup was down to two hours. Boy, two uh, hours. And they did the best they could. You know, uh, they were very talented artists and nice people. But um, taking it off with all the solvents poured on your skin and peeling off all this foam rubber and getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to sit in a trailer for hours while people glue things to your face. It was a really interesting television series. I made a lot of nice friends, and uh, I think it was brilliantly written and produced. Joe Straczynski did a great job, but I don't miss the physical process of becoming, you know, Lanier from the planet Minbar. <laughs> I'm sure it is. But it was great. I mean, I'm glad I, I did it, but it was it was a really... Uh, uh, I never acclimated to that, that on a daily basis, being mm -hmm. full of foam rubber and glue for 14, 15 hours at a time. Jeez. It's a hard gig. I'm sure it is. I, I mean, I, I, it's not hard compared to somebody who works in a coal mine. You know? right. I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. want to put myself out there like, oh, poor actor has to glue foam rubber to his head. <laughs> but it is, but, but nonetheless, doing it, and it, it's a challenging and uh, somewhat bothersome thing. Yeah, oh yeah, I can imagine, too. Uh, now, on shows like The Twilight Zone, and, and, and in fact, a lot of the shows besides Lost in Space, uh, before that, you were sort of the the bad kid, weren't you, on a lot of shows? Well, yeah, I was a bad kid when there was a bad part, and I was a good kid when there was a good part. A but it seemed like a lot. when there was a sick part. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm just, I was and I, just lucky enough to do a lot of work. Right, yeah. I mean, I, I remember just recently I saw an episode of uh, Bewitched. I happened to be flipping the channels. And uh, I saw you on that. And Which one? There's a Christmas show. It was and the Christmas one, one. Where, where Andorra turns Darren into a, a, a kid, which is a great show. It's I, also a good. 
I think it was both of those. Kind of a pursuit question. You yeah. Know, name, name the three actors that played Darren Stevens. <laughs> You've got Dick York, and everyone's going to go Dick Sargent, and then you're going to go, well, wait a minute, and it was it's me. Right. <laughs> Uh, that was a great episode, too, and I had a huge crush on Elizabeth Montgomery, so getting to play her husband was, like, extremely cool to me <laughs> at the time. I had a huge crush on her. Yeah, jeez. Huh. You know, in a very short period of time, in about two years' time, uh, I worked with Connie Stevens, Shirley Jones, Bridget Bardot, Elizabeth Montgomery, and, and Barbara Eden, all in that very short like one after the other. It was like these gorgeous blondes <laughs> and Billy Mooney. <laughs> it was like, okay, what's wrong with this gig? Nothing. <laughs> That's when you knew you liked acting, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, with Lost in Space, how did you get the part of, uh, uh, of Will Robinson? Uh, I, I, it sounds obnoxious, but it was offered to me. I had just finished um, starring in a film at 20th Century Fox with Jimmy Stewart called uh, Dear Bridget with Bridget Bardot as I mentioned and uh, 20th Century Fox was doing Lost in Space and everybody was happy with my work and it was offered to me hmm. now when you worked with uh, Jimmy Stewart did you realize what a uh, you know a great actor he was uh, at that age uh, Jimmy Stewart was the best of the best he was everything you you strive to be as a man he was just great he was great to everyone in the crew. He was great to work with as a as another as an actor. He was wonderful to work with as a friend for me, playing my father. He and I, I can't tell you how many times we just spent hours tossing the baseball back and forth and just being like a dad and a son in between takes. I mean, he he couldn't have been more generous, classy, or uh, set a better example as what a professional actor should should be. Mm-hmm. He was great. I, I, I very much enjoyed working on that. Yeah, a lot of people have told me that he was quite a guy. Yeah, and his wife had been my Sunday school teacher when I was younger than before we made that movie. So oh, really? Very comfortable <laughs> and groovy huh. connection. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, now, was Lost in Space a, you know, it's funny, we talk about Lost in Space a lot and people remember you from that. And of course, you actually were on Babylon 5 a lot longer than you were on Lost in Space. Well, y- yes and no. I mean, here's the reality. Uh, today's seasons, what, what they call a season on yeah. today's television is yeah, a joke right. compared to a season in 1965. True. We did 31 episodes the first season of Lost in Space. That would be two seasons of 13 here. True. Plus more, you know, two seasons plus five. Yep. So you really have to just kind of... I, it, to me, I, I I don't really see it that way. We worked, you know, ten months of, out of the year in those days. Right. Not, yeah. And I'm not. And we walked in the snow barefoot uphill both ways. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to sound like it was a problem. Uh, yeah. I just, you know, it's kind of like I laugh at what what is called a season now. If you get True. six episodes or something, half the time they call it a season. I know. I know. It's it's so. So much... all in all, there were 110 episodes of Babylon Five, but I wasn't in all of them. True. And uh, there were 84 episodes of Lost in Space, which I was in all of them. So mm-hmm. if you probably put the work together, it's, it probably goes to more in the favor of Lost in Space. Yeah. But it's not a competition. But, I mean, as far as, when you know, when you look at the, the stats and it says, you know, 
what, however, three years on Lost in Space and what, five years or what, you know, whatever yeah, right. it was. Right. It, it just looks like you were. Right. Uh, of course, also in my mindset, you know, i got to remember, I've lived with the Lost in Space uh, baggage, which is positive baggage. I'm not calling it negative. I'm just saying, I've, but I've lived with that for 45 years. Yeah, yeah. You know, Babylon 5 seems a lot newer, and that was, what, 98? That was already like 12 years ago. Right, yeah. Jeez, it doesn't seem like it's been that long. <laughs> I know, it doesn't, but, you know, time is a bizarre river. That's that's true, jeez. Now, were you a close cast on Lost in Space? Very close. We're still all actually very close. Yeah. I see those people socially all the time. Um, I had lunch with Angela two days ago or three days ago. Oh. I talk to Marta often. I, I, I don't, don't see Mark Marta. Goddard as often because he's on the East Coast, but yeah. I cherish the times when I do. And, and yeah, and you know, whatever, yes, we are very close. Yeah. Anything in particular about the show that you remember that, you know, is something that you, you, you'll never forget? Oh, I, listen, I, I could... I could give you book one and book two, but I won't, Brian. <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> Let me just let's just say that you know I honestly and truly uh, enjoyed every day of working on Lost in Space, and uh, it was a great time. And I'm sure, I have tons of funny Yaha stories, but yeah. I'll save those. All right, for well, the book. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yes. <laughs> um, we're going to finish up here, but I want to uh, switch to something that we're further away from anything we've talked about, basically. Just a little more personal thing. As far as uh, TV shows that are your favorites, what hmm. what shows do you like? What are your favorites? You know, that's hard. It goes through phases. Um, I like Leave it to Beaver. I like The Simpsons. I like South Park. I like uh, The Ed Sullivan Show. I like... Um, the Burns and Allen show. <laughs> I like uh, The People's Court. <laughs> well, that's different. <laughs> I like uh, a lot of the uh, the History Channel and the Food Network stuff. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I, I probably like too much television. I don't watch a lot of... of, of oh, I like Weeds. Yeah. You know, my wife loves Nurse Jackie. We watch that together. Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, what about movies? What's your all-time favorite movie or movies? Uh, the Graduate, I think, is my all-time favorite film. Hmm. Well, Bill, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Uh, I, I realize, you know, that uh, you're very busy, and uh, it's it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Brian. Nice to have been with you. And I want to thank Bill Moomy so much for taking the time to talk to us. He's a great guy, and, and we just so much fun talking with him. Uh, so many memories uh, that he, he's been in, you know, he's been in the business like forever because, you know, he's, he started when he was so young, and he's, he's brought us a lot of great things. And uh, he continues with his music, so be sure to check out uh, his music. He's got a lot of stuff uh, uh, solo and, of course, with Barnes & Barnes. And uh, we have a link on our website that you can check those out. Check out Bill's site. And, uh, you know, he's a, a great guy. So we want to thank him so much for taking the time to talk to us. He's very busy, and we appreciate that he took the time. And let's see here. Next week, we have another fascinating guest coming your way, so be sure to join us. Till then, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Thank you.